0: Today is going to be an adventurous day. I'm going to speak to you for a few minutes, but uh, today your pastor is doing something very adventurous in this thing called Feed One. I am a pastor. I have campuses. I have a pastor of a church called South Hills in Corona. We have campuses in, in different states, different parts of the California. And, but, but I really have a passion for Feed One, and I just took it on as an initiative to kind of help feed hungry children around the world. Your great pastor, along with a bunch of other friends of ours, are getting their churches all rallied together to uh, help feed children around the world. So we're excited about that. And uh, as you're leaving, you'll see me standing out there. I do have some resources, books. Uh, some CDs of me speaking, some books I've written. Stop by. They're only $10. bucks. Uh, i would love for you to buy one. It helps support what we're doing. I'd love to uh, personalize it for you and meet you out there. But before we, uh, before your pastor goes into the great adventure of helping feed children around the world, I wanted just to share with you a little bit about myself. I also do a lot of speaking for like Verizon and Home Depot. Uh, I'm a motivational speaker, and, uh, and we plant a church, and I work with Feed One. And I am married to a beautiful, Hispanic woman, yeah. How many Hispanics do we have in here? Oh yeah. Oh, she's hot. And um, oh no, no, she's hot. I call her my little hot tamale. And uh, um, no, no, she's a hottie. And uh, so, and then I have a, a son. He pitches for a university. He's a left-handed relief pitcher. And uh, yeah, you guys got your retirement. I got my son's left arm. We're all making money somehow. And uh, and he's all into fitness, and he's cut, and he's all into this and that and everything. And my daughter, she texts. That's it. Uh, she's amazing. She's really fast. We're just praying for her. We give glory to God for how fast she texts. And uh, he's just on the move. Um, But anyway, so just, uh, uh, it's awesome. That's a little bit about me. I love doing adventurous things. One of the, uh, and I do, I've skydived, I've bungee jumped, I've done all sorts of crazy things. I love doing adventurous things. I love being in the outdoors. And a while back, I had an opportunity, Uh, I was speaking at a place in the evening out of town, and uh, it was like a conference or something, and I, uh, uh, and then that morning or that afternoon, I had time to play nine holes of golf. Now, normally you play 18 holes, but this was a nine-hole course, so normally, play twice. I went up there and I said, hey, I only have time for nine holes. How much does the cost? I gave them the money. They said, there's a, a threesome that's finishing up the first nine. You can jump in with them and then all four of you can golf nine holes. I said, okay, that sounds cool. And uh, they don't have any drive carts there because it's kind of a short course. So you kind of walk and pull your a little cart with your little bags on it. Uh, and so I went up there and I met them and stuff. And, and uh, they're like, you can tell, they're like, kind of rough guys and kind of construction, rough type of guys, you know. And uh, I had my golf clubs on the cart, and they had an ice chest on the cart. And it was pepping them up, that's for sure, you know. And they would open it up. We got to the first hole, and they are open it up. Man, man, you want a beer? You know, and i don't got a problem with alcohol. I don't, personally, but I, I choose not to drink. And so they part, passing out the beers, you know, like this. You want one? I'm like, no. And he goes, what's your problem, man? You a cop? You know, and I'm like, yeah, get on the floor. No, I, uh. I said, no, no, it's cool, but thanks anyway. So we go to the second hole, man. More more beer comes out. We play the second hole, go to the third one, more beer. Fourth one, more beer comes out, you know. And here's the crazy thing. They're like half drunk, and they're beating me in golf. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, you guys are killing me. And so we get to like the fifth hole, you know, and I'm standing there, and I'm chipping. Now, chipping means that you're just a, a few yards away from the green. And you've got to go like this, and you just kind of want to get the ball in the air, and just, you know, you're only about 20 yards away, so you just want a really soft hit. So I'm standing there, I'm getting ready, it's really, got to be really careful, and all of a sudden I hear, <laughs> and I turn behind me, and right behind the tree is this one of the guys, and he's smoking pot. And he's like, you want some? You know, and I try to relate to people, so I answered back, no, you know, and so, and uh, I'm thinking in my mind, dude, I can't even putt on grass, let alone smoke it, and so, I'm like, no, dude, that's cool. It's all good, but thanks anyway. And uh, we get to like the seventh hole. Beer's flying everywhere still. And we get to the seventh hole. They have no idea I'm a pastor. I, I, I love not telling people because uh, it always is awesome. And so I get to the seventh hole, and I'm like, when uh, more beer comes out. And they want one? And I said no. And then he says, what's the problem, man? I go, what do you mean? And he goes, dude, we've been offering you our beer all day long, and, uh, and, 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 and we're offering you our pot. You don't take anything. And one of the other guys speaks up and he goes, I know what it is. The dude's a Mormon. <laughs> and I said, No, no, that's not it. And he goes, I know what the other guy speaks up. I know what it is. He's a Christian. And I said, Nope, even worse, I'm a pastor. <laughs> you used to saw the guys like, <sighs> You know, just he's like, Oh, no, 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 I'm kind of a Christian too. I said, I heard you guys talking about God, but not the way I do. Um, <laughs> So you know, we kind of play, and now they find out I'm a pastor. So of course, here comes the free counseling, and and so we're walking along. One of the guys is like, "Hey, dude, I was wondering, could I talk to you?" You know, he starts telling me about his life and how he used to be a Christian, and then how he just kind of faded away from being a Christian, and uh, how he's trying to get back on track and all this stuff. And we talked, and it was great. And, and here's what I found out: I found out in that golf course how God just started doing something adventurous inside of this guy's life. And this is what I want you to know. A couple of things. First of all, if you're a Christian here, or maybe you're kind of new checking out this church, and by the way, if you're new, you're at the right church, you don't need to leave, stay here. Um, but here's what I found out when it comes to, to this. Number one, no matter who you are in this place, Jesus is insanely love with you. He loves you, man. No matter what you are, he loves you. He loves everything about you. He loves you. Second thing is, He doesn't want you to live a boring life. He's a God of adventure. Think about it for a minute. Jesus is the one who turns water into wine. Talk about being a a hit on your college campus. Water into wine is a big deal. Um, He walks on water. He goes to a funeral and raises someone from the dead. You think, oh, I'm adventurous. You try going to a funeral and say, get out of there. Yeah, it just adventurous, like beyond belief adventurous, and Jesus wants you to live in adventure too, he is not an average God, he doesn't do average things, he doesn't want you to be average, we don't say, you don't come here and have this great band lead you, how average is our God, oh God you're so average we just worship your averages you're like a C minus God, and we just no one, he's not average, but here's the problem For a lot of us, a lot of us, we have dreams that turn into routines. We're born with a shout, but we end up with a whisper. Not the way God created you to be. He created you to be incredibly adventurous. When we started the church, man, we know what it's like. I know what it's like starting a church and meeting. We met in this cafe gymatorium, you know. We didn't have a theater like this. And we met, and it started taking off, you know, and God was doing amazing, just like here, taking off, doing great things. We had a guy in our church come up to me, 36, 37 years old. He said, hey, man, I want to donate some money. I'll call you in a couple weeks. Calls me in a couple weeks. Hey, I want to help you buy some land. Uh, Do you have a routing number for your bank account? And I'll put money in there. If anybody wants a routing number, I'm more than happy to give it. Matter of fact, if you got a pen right now, get ready. Um, but he's like, "All right, and I'm, okay." So a month goes by. He calls me up. Yeah, put some money in there. I'm like, "All right." And he goes, "Yeah, just yeah." So you know, hopefully it'll help you. No, really casual. Hangs up the phone. That's it. I call the automa- I call the bank, the little banking system. I hear the automated thing. It says, "The little computer, a deposit was made in the amount of three hundred thousand dollars." Yeah, he lives with me and my wife now. He's uh, <laughs> very close, and so. He's like, I'm all right. And I watched just God do amazing things in our church and in our life. Now, here's the deal about miracles. Most people never see a miracle because they never do anything that requires one. Some people, I've never seen God do a miracle. When's the last time you stepped out on the water? When you step out, maybe you'll see a miracle. But until then, don't think God's going to give you a miracle. He ain't going to give you a miracle if you're not going to trust him. And it's the miracle to step out. Your pastor decided he wanted to adopt a village in the country of Haiti a whole village the relevant village that's a couple hundred kids so if everybody doesn't step to the plate today then that's not going to happen but he wants god wants everybody to be a part of the miracle working process that's who god is he wants all of us to be a part of it now you got to understand something miracles always 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 miracles follow Action. Say that with me. Miracles follow action. Think about it. The woman who, who touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she was healed, she took action the miracle followed. The guys that took their friend and, 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 and lowered him them in, uh, he was sick and lowered them into, uh, into the place where Jesus was because it was crowded, they took action and the miracle followed. Miracles follow action. God is all about you taking action. He's not about him just doing miracles. He's about you taking action, and miracles follow action. We stepped out, said we were going to start a church. All of a sudden, three hundred thousand dollars shows up. God's going to do something amazing in this church. God's going to do something incredible, and miracles follow action. Now, there's three things that you got to understand. I want you to go to John chapter six. John chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, next time you're at a hotel, just get one. They're free. It's amazing. I got like thirty of them. It's unreal. Uh, matter of fact, i got them on eBay right now. I'm making a ton of money. Um, Okay, here's the deal. Here's the story. Ready? John chapter 6, verse 1. After Jesus, or after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, a huge crowd kept following him where he went because they saw his miraculous signs that healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd, all people coming to him, Turning to Philip, he asked, where do we buy bread to feed these people? Verse 6. He was, what's the next word? Before he already knew what he was going to do. Now let me give you the stage. Ready? Jesus is teaching in an area called Bethsaida. He says, I'm done teaching, but I'm going to teach a little bit more on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He goes over on a boat. I don't know if this is how he did it, but it's how I'm doing it. And he went over here. He got to the other side. Now, everybody else had to walk. That was like an eight-mile walk. And he got over there. And he began to teach, and everybody was all excited about his teaching. It was time for them to eat. And the disciple says, hey, man, it's late. You brought us over here to Tiberias where there's no food. We had food on the other side of the lake. Now it's too dark to go back home. These people are hungry. How are we going to eat? We have no food. And I love what it says. Jesus said, it says, he was testing Philip. He already knew he was going to do. You know why? Number one, write this down. Put it on the screen for me. Jesus loves to do miracles. He was setting the stage for a miracle. He is a miracle working God. He loves to do miracles. He, say it with me, Jesus loves to do miracles. Say it with me. Jesus loves to do miracles. He loves it. He lives for doing miraculous things that blows our mind away. He does. He absolutely does. You know, I've seen it in in, in my life. You know, I, uh, uh, I do a lot, a lot, a lot of flying. A ton, a ton, a ton of flying. You know, uh, usually, usually between 10 and 15 flights per month uh, is what I'm averaging. And, and it's just out of control. I fly all the time. And, uh, and I don't like it. I absolutely cannot stand flying. I have to do it all the time and I hate it. I'm always scared up there. You know, and I love, you know what, it's crazy to me that you go to the airport and before you load onto the plane, the last word you see is the word terminal. (laughs) Who the heck came up with that dumb name, you know? It's like, and before you get on the plane, terminal. Uh, You know, and then I love this one. And when they say, well, you know, if if you start heading towards the ground from 30,000 miles in the air, a mask will drop and breathe normally. How the heck do you breathe normally when the plane's going, yeah, you know, just, anyway, so. I go there on Southwest Airlines and there's there's a lady on one side and a lady on the other and I'm sitting inside the middle, which I hate the middle seat, but when you're on Southwest and you're the last to get on, it's a first come, first serve. So I'm in the middle of the seat. This lady over here is freaking out about being on a plane. Seriously. She's like 60 years old and she's rocking back and forth the whole time. She's got a cross and she keeps kissing it, you know. She's got the Catholic thing going on. Communion's flying everywhere. It's a... And I'm like, man, she's freaking out. This lady over here, we start to take off the plane. She's kind of calm, but and she begins to tell me. Now, I'm working on a message, because i got to land in Kansas, and i got to speak at a conference on how to reach your community for Jesus. So I'm going to speak at a conference, and I'm sitting there writing some notes out. I don't have the Bible out or anything, so she doesn't know I'm a pastor. And she goes, she, and she out of nowhere just says, well, I'm, I'm kind of a spiritual person. And I said, you are? And she goes, yeah, someone talked to me about this Jesus. And I've never had anybody talk to me about him, and I'm kind of... We've been investigating Jesus. I'm looking for someone else to talk to me. And I'm in the middle going, well, hopefully someone will come along and help you. <laughs> right now I got notes to work on, lady. Uh, so I hope something works out. And so she just keeps talking. I'm like, well, I don't have a choice. So I shut the I shut my books and whatever, and I'm done. And I'm like, she ain't gonna stop talking. I can't study. Finally I looked at her and said, What do you do for a living? And she says, Well, she goes, I'm kind of a spiritual guru. I tell people's futures. And I'm like, this is going to get good, because she has no idea I'm a pastor. I'm like, all right, lady, here we go, you know. <laughs> and so she says, you don't believe me, do you? And I said, no, not really. And, uh, and she goes, well, I can do it. And I said, all right, go ahead. Now, not many pastors say, all right, tell my future, you know. And so I said, all right, go ahead. And she goes, well, she goes, first of all, she looks at me. and She does this little hand thing. She looks at me, and she goes, okay, you're a man. I'm like, all right, that, my wife will appreciate that. And, uh, um, and then she goes, now, she goes, you have two children. I said, yeah. She goes, the older one is the daughter, and the younger one's a son. My responses are getting slower. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you have a black car. Yes. She goes, it's a convertible. I'm like, okay. You know, just, just getting worse. I look over to the other lady, give me that cross You know, I was freaking out. And so this lady over here, she goes, and she tells me all this stuff, and I'm like, this lady's freaking me out. And, uh, uh, and uh, she says, you're impressed, aren't you? And I said, no. And she goes, yes, you are. You're impressed. And said, no. And she goes, you are too. And she goes, she goes, can you do what I just did? I go, tell the future? She goes, yeah. And I said, and she goes, all right, go ahead. She goes, tell my future. I said, are you a Christian? She said, no. I said, you're going to hell. There you go. No, I, uh, <laughs> I hope you like it hot. No, I, uh. I didn't say that. But man, I want to do. That would have been good. i have been mean, like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> now for the next hour, since she wouldn't leave me alone, you know, we started talking and Jesus comes up and it was a cool conversation and I just thought, God, I don't care if I'm 30,000 feet in the air, you just want to do miracles. You love doing miracles. But here's the key. Ready for number two? Put point number two up there before I read the scripture because I think this is important. He wants to use what? Help me out. Okay, let me, let me give you a clue here. Jesus doesn't like to do miracles alone. He likes to use others, and he wants to use me and you in the process. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't like to use just himself. He loves using other people in the process. Let me prove it to you in John chapter 6. Let's, look, let's pick up the story where we left off. Philip replied. Remember, he said, where are we going to get the food to feed 5,000 people? Philip replies, even if we work for months... We wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. Come on, Jesus. How are we going to feed these people? Look what it says. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Okay, now let me, let me help you out here. There's no food, Jesus. We can't feed the people. Okay, don't worry. I got a little boy here. He's got a sack lunch with some bread and fish in it. How's that going to feed 5,000 people? Now, let me, ask, let me ask you a question. This is important. Could Jesus take a rock and turn it into bread? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Could he pick up a stick and turn it into fish? Yes or no? Why didn't he? Why didn't he just take the rock and turn it into bread and take a stick and turn it into fish? Why didn't he just do that? I mean, what's the big deal to him? Why did he take a little boy's sack lunch? Why? Because he loves using others in the process. He even wanted that little boy to be a part of the miracle working process. He loves using others that are willing to give up what they have. Here's the truth about God. If you'll give up what's in your hands, he'll give up what's in his. And his is always better than what's in yours. I guarantee it. That's why I believe in if you're not serving in this amazing church, you are blowing it. Get into serving. Get into groups. Get into whatever's involved here. When the offering goes by and you're like, we can't afford to tithe, I think you're crazy. There's a God in heaven that says, "You go ahead and tithe, and let me let show you what I'll do for you. I'll let go of what's in my hands. It's crazy not to. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity for ten dollars a month. Give me a break to take care of a child. And if you do one, and you do two, and you do one, and you do three, and you do one, and if we all do something, we're going to be able to partner with Jonathan and take care of that village in Haiti. And maybe in a few months, you guys can go. A couple of you can go over there and visit your own village. It's an amazing thought. Remember though." That would be a miracle. But he loves using the others in the process. He doesn't like doing miracles alone. That's not who he is. I remember when uh, there was a girl uh, a couple years back. I don't speak at one specific campus. I oversee all the campuses and I speak at different ones. But I was speaking for a while at this one campus of ours. And there was this girl that came to, you know, and she gave her heart to Jesus. She's like 28 years old. And she really started coming for two months in a row. And then one day she shows up with her friend. I go and I say hi to her and she says, This is my coworker. She's a friend of mine. She's also in her twenties. Blah, blah, blah. I meet her after the service. I see both of them over there praying. She comes up and she goes, Hey, you remember my friend? I brought her today. She, now keep in mind, she's only been going to church for two months. I, I she goes, My friend today? She goes, I brought her. I go, Yeah, I met you before the service. She goes, I uh, uh, she goes, I led her to Jesus. And I'm like, wow. Now, here's the best part. She told me, keep in mind, she'll only be going to church for eight weeks. She goes, I don't know if I did it right, though. The best part was the girl's reaction. The other girl, she's like, I hope so. <laughs> kind of a lot riding on this. You might want to get it right. Um, and so, but I watched how God used that girl and how he wants to use you and I. Jesus loves to do miracles. And he loves to use others in the process of the miracle. He loves it. So number one, he wants to do miracles. He loves it. It's what he is, but he doesn't like doing it alone. And then number three, he multiplies it. Jesus multiplies the bread and multiplies the miracle. Whatever we do, it's just you know when I when you went today for instance, as as we all together take care of a village, ten dollars a month. It's like okay, what's ten dollars? Oh, come on, in America, that's a joke, you know. But that could change a life forever. He multiplies it. I don't know. Maybe you're investing in the next doctor that will change the world. He's only eight years old now. But man, if you don't have enough food, you're never going to get him from his current reality to his future. Unless something happens. You know, and that's, that's why Jesus multiplies it. Look down with me back on uh, in the Word. It says, Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed among the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus and the disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing's wasted. He told the twelve disciples, gather the leftovers. So they picked up the pieces and filled how many baskets? Okay, how many disciples were there? How many baskets? Notice that. Jesus says, you 12 disciples go and collect. They didn't collect 11 baskets and one of them walked around with nothing. They collected 12 baskets because he wants everybody to be a part of the miracle working process. He didn't want one of his people to ever be left out of doing a miraculous thing. He loves to do miracles, he loves using you and I, and then he also makes sure that he multiplies it. You know, I, 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 he multiplies. I love his math. I went to the bank a while back. I don't know why I go there. I don't have anything in there, but I like to go there. And they give out donuts on Mondays. It's a really an amazing bank. Um, but I go in there and I have like $1,700 in the account. And I'll never forget, I walked up and, and I said, I did some banking. And I said, hey, can you give me the balance? And she said, sure. And she, and she, she leans. This is what she does. I only got $1,700 in there. She leans in and she goes, do you want me to write your balance down or tell you? I'm thinking, why are you whispering? It's $1,700. I'm not going to get mugged. And, uh, and she, I go, go ahead and tell me. And she looks up and she goes, Mr. Songshen, you have $1,748,543.22. She goes, is there anything else you need? I said, no, that sounds about right. (laughs) I concur with what you say. I'd like to make one withdrawal as fast as possible (laughs) before you figure this thing out. Um, But you go to a bank, they give you like a half a penny. The, The multiplication is horrible. You put money in a bank, and they give you like 10 cents for a year. God's multiplication is, is he takes your serving, your tithing at this church, which I hope you're doing, and your are as pastor's in a moment, gonna lead this, $10 a month, and God changes lives because he loves to do miracles. He loves to use you and I. He hates doing miracles alone, and he loves to, u- he loves to multiply what we do. Before pastor comes, let me just share this last thought. I was in uh, um, Haiti. This is when it all started for me. I'm a pastor just like your pastor. But when God charged me, to do something. It took place about two years ago. Currently, Feed One is feeding 146,000 children a day in 11 countries. That's a pretty amazing thing. 146,000 a day, every day, get fed because people like you. And I was at a, uh, in Haiti two years ago. I'm taking your pasture there in February. And and uh, and it was a room, not, not even half the size, a quarter of the size, uh, if that. And uh, all it was was walls, no ceiling, cement floor. And the walls were all um, brick, the big old cinder, cinder blocks. And there's a big old hole in the, in the, in the cinder blocks, and that serves as windows and <laughs> ventilation. There's no windows there. It's just ventilation. And I was there, and we we're, were taking care of this. Is one of the villages our church is taking care of. And there was, I don't know, 70, 80 kids in there, and I'm standing up there, and the pastor introduces me as the guy that takes care of them. The average kid in there is about eight, nine years old. He doesn't even finish his sentence in their language, and all 70, 80, 90 kids jump up, run towards me, tackle me. I'm under 80 kids, and they're all hugging me and kissing me because our church in America is giving them beans and rice every day. Are you kidding me? The gratefulness they had. I got to talk to some of those kids, and it was amazing. Um, I asked one of them who was abandoned when he was age two. Another one that was abandoned on his birthday, on his, the day he was born, laid down in front of an orphanage. Three different kids. What do you want to be when you grow up? One said a president, one said an astronaut, and one said a doctor. Over 60% of all kids will never make it past second grade in Haiti. Just one of the 11 countries we're in. And, but these kids have dreams. Someone's got to stand in the gap between their current reality and their future. Because they got dreams too. Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100, you can at least feed one. We can all do that. But one last thought. I looked out the windows. Well, no windows there, just the holes in the, w- in the brick wall, and there's about 150 kids out there. I leaned over to the president of Convoy, and I said, hey, why are those 150 kids out there and not in here? I mean, we can squeeze more kids in here. And he said, it's $10 a month to get them in, and we don't have anybody doing it. I said, you're telling me that those kids are not sure if they're going to eat today. Not going to get an education. Also, that $10 includes clean water and a chance to hear about Jesus. And what's keeping those 150 kids to come in is $10? And he said, yeah. I asked him, I go, how many kids are on a waiting list like these kids? They're literally on a waiting list. He said, a little over 100,000. I looked at him and said, I'll take care of that 100,000. I don't know why. I was like, okay, now what am I going to (laughs) do? And so we just thought, what if we got wonderful pastors like yourself and other guys across America for every church to adopt a village, we could take care of that waiting list. That's what we're doing. We're here to eradicate the waiting list and take kids from the outside to the inside with your help. So as your pastor comes, would you join me in taking some of those kids that were on the outside of the wall that day and bring them to the inside? Let's change some lives today. Thank you so much for letting me be with you. It has been an honor to speak to you today. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Was that awesome or what?